on a Sunday like today when we're talking about uh, Reformation and we're talking about traditions and we're talking about Christ and, and stuff like that. So, so I'm going to encourage you to open up to Matthew chapter 3 and uh, uh, starting at verse 7. And if you've got a phone and you want to use that, that works too. And I wanted to show you this text here. And it says this. Uh, and this is talking about John the Baptist. He's the he here. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, uh, Pharisees and Sadducees, meaning the religious leaders and teachers at that time, uh, they would be uh, equivalent to maybe like your, uh, your, your synod presidents or your, your bishops or your uh, big high up uh, church leaders. Uh, we're not just talking um, you, you know, little old pastors here. We're talking about, man, when, when, when you look at the who's who in this area for religion, these are the people you're thinking about. These are the teachers of the teachers of the teachers. Um, these are the, the religious uh, lawgivers. When someone breaks a religious law and they need to go and get sentenced, man, these are the guys that they're going to. Um, they are the ones who are the movers and shakers when it comes to this. And they're interested in this John the Baptist guy who's calling people to repentance and who's going out and baptizing people and, and having them turn away from their sins because they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. We are the religious leaders. We are the religious teachers. What's going on here? Uh, who's this prophet guy that everybody's talking about? And so they go and they check it out. And John sees them and check out these words that he says to them. He calls them a brood of vipers, um, which is actually a pretty uh, demeaning slang term at that time. Just think like a brood of vipers. You know that word brood? Uh, we're talking about like imagine just like a whole bunch of snake eggs hatching in one spot and there's just like all of this slithering and, and writhing going on because there's just hundreds and hundreds of tiny little vipers, these poisonous snakes. To call someone a brood of vipers, like this is a pretty uh, uh, nasty term to call someone. Who warned you? He's talking to them. The religious leaders, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, and this is a part uh, that I thought was worth highlighting right here, because this, this is so key for all of us. Don't, don't presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, which is basically saying, hey, do you, do you know where I'm rooted? Do you know my history? Do you know my traditions? Do you know who I am? Don't presume to say we have Abraham as our father. Don't point to your history as, as saying you're good. And I think all of us do this in some way, shape, or form. Um, one of the easiest things to pick on, and, and this is easy because uh, none of us uh, fit in this category because we're all here on a non-Christmas or Easter Sunday. Um, one of the easiest things to pick on is people who go to church on Christmas and Easter. Uh, because it's, it's a tradition for them. It's nice. It's, it's this sweet thing. I'm Christian. What they're really saying is, culturally, I identify with this history of people who consider this to be their religion. And so I would say this is mine too. Do I follow it? No. Do I believe in it? No. But it's nice to go and see candles and sing uh, songs that I see in the movies at this time. It's easy to pick on them. What's, what's, what's a bit harder is when we start to look at ourselves and look at uh, where maybe our roots are not in the right spot. Where maybe we're claiming uh, denomination names or titles or, or, or areas or systems of belief that sound good to us. So, hey, uh, I'll pick on myself first. Uh, I grew up a Lutheran. 
I grew up a Missouri Synod Lutheran, and if that means anything to you, you know that that means that I'm A, arrogant, B, I believe I have everything right, C, I probably think I'm the only one going to heaven, for crying out loud, because that's how a lot of Missouri Synod Lutherans act. We act like we've got the gospel, we've got doctrine, we've got Bible 100% accurate, and when you have it 100% accurate, then you're good and you're going to heaven. And we love to call out other people who don't have it. Oh, I can tell you all about them Presbyterians. I can tell you all about the problems of those Baptists. Don't even get me started on Catholics. I see a couple in this room. Don't even get me started because I know where they're off. And all of a sudden you're thinking, Andy, man, are your roots in Jesus or are your roots in having it right? Which is exactly where the Pharisees and the Sadducees were coming from. Which is so ironic on a Sunday like today when you think about the Reformation. 500 years ago, some people were upset with the church. We're not even going to call it the Catholic Church because it was the church. It was the church and they saw some things they didn't like and they called it out. And all of a sudden there's splits and people are splitting off. And they wanted to call the church back to the truth. And now here we are 500 years later and we've got these people who claim that history who are concerned about being right. Maybe not always about Jesus. And man, we could pick on so many denominations. We could pick on so many people. We could pick on all of ourselves to see where are our roots in the wrong places? Where is our faith off? Where we're claiming that we have Abraham as our father. What about God as our father? And John says, don't, don't say that to me. Because he's expecting them to say this. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children of Abraham. If that's what he's concerned about, the same God who breathed life into dust to create children, he can do that same thing to these stones. And he surely will if you're going to go off in this direction. And, and, and even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. And here's what I love. Because sometimes we talk about roots. Oftentimes we talk about roots and we talk about being rooted. We talk about being rooted in the right places. We talk about where your roots are. And what John is saying right here is there's an axe ready to cut off all of the roots. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And here's what he's getting at. Roots are for fruit. Roots are for fruit. And if you are pointing at your roots and looking at how good they are, or looking at how right they are, or looking at how much they fit the part, or how much on Sunday morning your roots come walking through this door looking great, man, they're, they're in the wrong spot. And an axe is ready to cut that off. And each and every one of us have roots that grow into the wrong spot. So our church flowers today um, help, help fit this very well. So this is um, a plant that came from our tower garden, um, which is basically a hydroponic watering system. You put a seed in a cup that looks a lot like this. And you fill it with some spongy stuff. And there's no dirt involved. Water just pours over it. And then the roots start dangling down. And, and that's how it gets its water. And you put it up in there. And ours, ours looks like the one on the left, usually. Um, doesn't look like the one on the right, um, ever. Um, but ours looks like the one on the left. And it's about five feet tall. And so um, about the end uh, or middle of June, I took a broccoli seed. 
and I put a broccoli seed in here and I, and I stuck it at about this height and then I turned it on and I put all the nutrients and all that kind of stuff that you're supposed to put in there and, and then every 15 minutes water kicks on, every 15 minutes it shuts off, on, off, on, off like that all day long. And then we just let it go. And in about uh, mid-August, um, we've got this broccoli plant here that has given us some really delicious broccoli. It's pretty impressive. Um, and I was really happy with it. It tasted awesome. It tasted way better than that stuff that you get in, in a bag that's frozen. Um, and then... I was done with it, and I didn't need it anymore. And so uh, I shut the system off, and I thought I'll come back and clean it up. And that was about two months ago. And uh, I just took this out actually this morning. So it shows you um, both my procrastination, um, and it shows you something else. Because for two months, this stinking thing kept growing. Even though I wasn't watering it anymore, even though the water wasn't coming down on it anymore, it started growing. And, and not only was it uh, still growing, but it started producing these flowers up here up top. And I kept looking at it every time I came home and I'm wondering, what the, what is this thing still growing for? And what I realized was, man, this thing was rooted and it was rooted good and it was rooted deep. You see, it didn't need me to be flicking on the water to pour down over it anymore because its roots had grown all the way down into the bottom of the basin. And, and this gives you just a little bit of a look at how they started. Um, and because it was uh, frozen this morning, um, removing it caused incredible damage. And so uh, its poor roots uh, ended up in lots and lots of pieces that went down and down. Let's do this. And down and down until I looked at the bottom of the basin and I saw this. <laughs> there were these two connectors here that had come five feet up all the way to the top of this tower garden thing that even after I shut off the water, even though I was done with it, it had fulfilled its purposes to me, it decided it wasn't done. It decided it had not fulfilled its purposes because what it decided it wanted to do is grow and flower so that insects would come and, and fertilize and then it would do what? It would seed, and that those seeds would be scattered out into the wind. That's what this thing decided to do. It decided it was not done yet. And this is what it's getting at in this text. Is it's talking about our roots, and it's talking about roots that would end up in not the right spot. Because let me tell you that if these roots, and some of them did, some of these roots, uh, especially these top ones here, some of these ones decided to go into neighboring cups and invade there. And those plants didn't grow as well because, because those roots went in that direction. But guess what happened to those roots when I turned the water off? They died. They didn't get the nutrients anymore. It's not about are your roots good or are they not good because each of us have roots that are uh, rooted in the complete wrong spot. Each and every one of us. It's not clear cut. It's not black and white. There's a lot of gray areas. There's a lot of our roots that will travel into some other cups, that will travel into some other places, that when the nutrients get shut off, when the road gets tough, when things get shut down, it dies. That's the stuff that the axe is being laid to. The stuff of us that would find our identity in maybe our work. And then when we get fired, what do I do? When our job is ended, who am I? 
A lot of us are like that. You see a lot of, in fact, uh, you need to look no further than people who retire. When people retire, it shows how firmly rooted and invested their identities were in their careers and some people's health declines so fast and they die so soon after retirement because they're empty. Their life is meaningless. There's no more purpose. Their identity was in the complete wrong spot. For other people, it's a relationship. And you can see how after, how after a boyfriend dumps them or a girlfriend dumps them or, 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 or even worse, a marriage gets called off, everything falls apart. For other people, it's an addiction, hidden or visible. And when those things get taken away, they go to rock bottom. And, and what I want to tell you is each and every one of us has roots in our lives that go into places that are unhelpful. And the call of John the Baptist here and the call of the reformers 500 years ago up until today is cut those off now. Cut off the roots that aren't good. Cut off the roots that are giving you momentary sustenance. But will end up hurting you in the long run. And this is a hard thing to think about, but each and every one of us has it. And so, so I put this up here. Where are your roots? When you look at your life and you look at where you pull from, where you draw from, where are those roots? And this sounds weird to say, but even for me, I think, I think a huge amount of my roots is in my family, is in my marriage, is in my kids, so much so that I thought about this this week, and I was like, man, what if, what if a terrible accident happened? I, what would I do? Would, would I be overwhelmed? Would I be so devastated that I wouldn't be able to function? And some, a, a huge part of me is worried that, yeah, I think I would be. I think I would be so paralyzed that I don't know where, where I would turn. And then I'm like reading the Bible right now and I say I don't know where I would turn. <laughs> where are your roots? I think a huge part of my roots... Uh, coming out of seminary was, was professional, too. I'm going to be a church planter. I'm going to start a church. And that church is going to be my, my fourth kid right now. <laughs> and everything that's going on with this church uh, impacts my mood, impacts my attitude, impacts how my life is going, which is unhealthy. My roots should not be rooted in the church. My roots should not even be rooted in my family. My roots should not be rooted in the food that I eat, which is another road that we could go down. <laughs> my roots should be rooted in Jesus. This is where the Christ alone stuff comes in. This is where the call of the Reformation is so on point. Because these five solas, these five onlys, are places where you need to find your roots located the bulk of them, the majority of them, that answer, where do you need to grow? Because the most important question in your life should be, am I saved? Am I God's child? And how does that happen? It happens through His grace alone. His death and His resurrection on the cross and you being united to Him. Do you feel that grace? 
Do you know that grace? Do you know how it feels to receive God's gift of perfection despite anything that you've done? Or are you trying to earn it? Or are you trying to work for it? Are you finding your identity in Christ to be based off of a checklist of things you're doing right or wrong? If that's the truth, cut that off and find yourself in grace alone, through faith alone. By believing and by trusting and being united with him. Again, on the cross, Jesus' death, Jesus' life, Jesus' resurrection for you. Do you believe it? Not culturally. Not, hey, this is kind of where I came from and these are uh, where my roots are. But no, with all of my heart, I believe that Jesus was a real person whose death matters for me, whose life matters for me, and he's coming back to get me. Do you believe that? Find your roots there in faith alone through Christ alone. If hope and love and joy and purpose lead anywhere but Jesus, that needs to be cut off. And I think about this this way with my kids when, when they ask the why questions. Those of you who have kids, you're familiar with the why. Or, or if you've babysat a, a toddler, why? They ask why, you answer it. They ask why, you answer it. They ask why, you answer it. And if you're a Christian, eventually you end up with God. Because that's how God made it. Or because Jesus said so. Like you always end up there. If joy and peace and meaning and purpose and love and anything doesn't lead to Jesus, cut that off and find it in Jesus. Find joy there. Find love there. Find meaning there. Find purpose there. That's where he should be. And how are you going to learn about this? Right here in God's word. Don't take my word for it. Don't take a podcast's word for it. Don't take a, a denomination's teachings for it. This has stood alone long before denominations, long before any of that stuff. The Word was here. And this is the Word that Jesus' disciples and Jesus' prophets gave to us. And it's reliable and it's trustworthy. Have you read it? Do you know it? Do you know what it says? Do you know why it says that? Have you immersed yourself so deeply in this that it becomes you? That, that the words are flowing through you. The greatest joy that I've had within the last two months has been uh, working on memorizing Romans 8. And I'm eight verses in, in two months, which tells you like how hard this is. But it's been such a joy to see how these words come up in me and flow through me. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set me free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by sinful flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who live not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And all of a sudden, that's just flowing up through me, and I'm having conversations with people who are struggling, and I'm just saying these words, and it's just coming out of me, because this is where I find my roots. This is where I find the truth. This is where I find what's real. Don't take my word for it. Have I said that? I hope you don't. Take God's word for it. All for his glory. All of it.
I hate that I had to tear this plant out because it was so beautiful and its roots were so long and deep, but it was going to die anyways because it's cold, so I don't feel that bad about it. I just want you to think about this, though. When you think about how long and how deep and how wide, man, that starts to sound like scripture, God's love is for us. And you think about your own roots that are there in your life. Where are they going? And I pray that they would lead into some of those areas. I pray that they would be so long. I don't want to get water all over the floor. So I'm going to kind of go like this. I pray that they would be so long and so intertwined and that they would lead to the places that are good. And I just want to end uh, like this. I love my traditions, and I love where my roots are, okay? I'm I'm not lying when I say I'm proud to be a Missouri Synod Lutheran. And so just humor me right here, okay? Um, 500 years ago, uh, Martin Luther cared enough about these things that we're talking about, where his roots are, and where he did not see it in the church, that he could not help but want to start a discussion based on that. Okay, and that's, and that's what I mean. Start a discussion based on that. Not split the church or anything like that. And so he walked up to the doors of the cathedral in the town square, which is kind of the center of, of culture and life. And he walked up there and he took a hammer and he nailed it to a door. And what he nailed were 95 statements about where he saw the church being off. And here's how it began. And I want you to see his heart there. Out of love for the truth and from desire to elucidate it or make it clear, uh, the Reverend Father Martin Luther, Master of Arts and Sacred Theology, an ordinary lecturer therein at Wettenberg, intends to defend the following statements and dispute them in that place. Basically, let's have a conversation and debate this because that's how they figured out problems at that time. They got together and they debated it. Therefore, he asks that those who cannot be present and dispute with him orally shall do so in absence by letter. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. He had some complaints. He had some statements. And here's what I love. He attached his name to them. He attached his qualifications. And then he started writing. And here, here's number one and number three that I think fits so well. He starts it like this. When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, Repent, in Matthew 4.17, He willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. And then in His third statement, He said this, Yet it does not solely mean inner repentance, because that's worthless, unless it produces outward subduing of sin. Roots are for fruit, He says. And what I want to do, and how I want to kind of end this for us, is the Reformation wasn't some event that happened 500 years ago. Reformation is a call to God's followers to be reforming and keeping His church pure throughout history. You are reformers. I am am a reformer. This is what we are called to do and called to be. Are you a Christian? Then you are a reformer. And this is what the paper's for, and this is what the door is for. There are things that God has put on your heart that the church should be about. There are prayers that God has put in your heart that the church should be praying about. And Reformation didn't and doesn't come from the top down, it comes from the bottom up. 
you expect pastors and bishops and church leaders and denominations to be reforming the church, that's never going to happen. It starts with me and you. And so here's how mine's going to look. Uh, Andy Adet, uh, child of God, a member of the priesthood of all believers because every Christian is a priest. Every Christian is a pastor. We are all called and gifted to be about the things that God is about. Those are my qualifications. And I have my name up there because I want you to be able to talk to me about what I put up there on that door. And then maybe yours starts like this. The church needs to. Or I pray that. Or maybe you want to make it specific to us. Remedy should be about. You'll see some pens on the floor in front of you. You have a piece of paper. My encouragement for you is to put your name at the top, who you are. If you don't know who you are, those apply to you also. And then I would love to see what God is putting on your heart about what the church should be about. What God is putting on your heart to pray for. And wouldn't it be amazing if we started to see some similarities there? Wouldn't it be amazing if, if one person's passion and the other person's passion caused them to pair up and, and, and the deep roots that God placed in your heart started to bear some fruit? So this is how we're going to end. Uh, I'm going to invite the worship team up uh, and, and we're going to nail some things to that door. And, and maybe, maybe you don't even know if you believe it, but, but maybe this is what God's put on your mind to write down and this is what he wants up on that door. My encouragement is for each person here, adult especially, if you've got some kids who want to put something down, just help them with nails and hammers. And nail that to that door. We're all reformers. I'm going to pray us out. You can write while I pray. God, I pray for each and every one of us here about our roots. Not just that we would have them, but Lord, that you would be working on them, pruning them. Too often we think of pruning to be something that happens um, visibly in the branches where the leaves are and where the fruit comes. But God, I pray that you would prune our roots that you would prune us away from the things that are toxic, that you would prune us away from the things that are hurtful and harmful to us. And I pray, God, that you would strengthen and grow our roots deeply by your grace, deeply through faith, deeply in you, Jesus, deeply in your word, deeply for your glory. Pray this all in your name, Jesus.